As you're probably aware, there has been kind of a constant theme in all of my prayers tonight. We're going to talk about that as we read Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that, secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Amen. <clears throat> you could say that I'm a jack of all trades. I have enough knowledge and many things to answer most questions you might have. I might not always be 100% right, but I guarantee you I won't be 100% wrong. Now, working in Christian camping ministry has given me this jack-of-all-trades status. One day I'm leading a group on the zip line, and the next day I'm cutting down a tree with a chainsaw. The day after that I'm giving a tour on a wagon, and a day after that I'm trying to design an ice rink to fit under a picnic shelter. I do lots of funny things at camp. It's a good time, though. One thing we often needed to do is regrow patches of grass. You see, over the summertime, the kids would wear paths in the grass and they would wear it away, so we would have to regrow it. Now, when we're talking about 100 acres of land, growing grass really isn't that hard. We till the ground a little bit, throw some seed over it, and in time, it grows. It flowers, we cut it a few times before winter. But growing grass at my home is a little different. You see, I know how to grow grass, and so I go out and I start scattering the grass seed, but I could not get sustained growth. See, the issue for me was not the seed. The seed was fine. It was the soil. It was the soil where the seed was going. You see, the soil was not good. Not to mention, I found evidence of grubs. Super great. Yay me. Now, our text today, 
Jesus is talking about sowing seed among different soils. He's talking about lighting lamps. But most importantly, he's talking about the gospel work. As well, our text divides neatly into three sections. The parable, the purpose, and the punchline. In order to properly work through this, though, we'll need to connect each part of the soil parable with its explanation a little further. The theme of our text today is proper spiritual soil preparation. It's a mouthful gives way to real spiritual growth. We'll see this theme in three ways. Hear and receive the Word. Hear and share the Word. And hear and obey the Word. If you're the kind of person who likes to take notes, if you look inside your bulletin, you will find a sheet that will help you do just that. Receive the Word. Share the Word. And obey the Word. Now in this first section, Jesus exhorts us to hear and receive the Word. As I said, we'll be taking each part of the parable with its explanation a little farther down. Now this point might be a little bit longer than the other two, just giving you a heads up. Despite all my random knowledge, I really don't know much about farming. I understand how things grow, I get that, but how things are planted, how you plant, what different seeds grow better where, I don't really know much about that. My guess is, though, that if you're sowing corn, is different than sowing wheat. When you sow wheat, you want as much wheat as possible. When you sow corn, you want corn in rows. In Jesus' day, they sowed seed by hand, mainly because they didn't have machines to do it for them. But what they would do is they would take the seed and they would scatter it everywhere. And after they scattered the seed, they would then plow deep troughs in order that the seed would fall in after they've sowed it. The seed would scatter. And here's where we pick up the parable of the four soils. First, the hard soil. Verse 5 and 12. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Now when I'm sowing grass seed in my backyard, right, or my front yard, I'm throwing it wherever I can, and it's inevitably going to get on the sidewalk or the driveway. The path in the parable is referring to this hard, trampled ground that goes around the field that the people would walk on over many years. The ground was hardened by many years of walking. You see, any seed that landed on this path would have no hope because the seed cannot go into the dirt. The soil had not been made ready for the seed. Jesus is very clear here. He is sowing the seed of the Gospel. Now there are some that the seed has come to, but it is stolen away from them. They're not because they're not ready to receive it. And thus they do not believe and they are not saved. The problem is the seed doesn't penetrate the ground. Because it is hard. When a heart is hardened, the good news of the Gospel does not penetrate the heart. We do know that sin is dastardly. And if we desire sin long enough, God will give us over to it. A heart that continues to be hardened will not be pierced by the good news. Instead, it will actually shun the good news. Second, we'll see the shallow soil. Verse 6 and 13. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. 
Now, as I was preparing to write this sermon, I was reading one commentator who said that this section of the parable is often used to prove that people can lose their salvation. Now, as someone who's steeped in Reformed theology, this thought did not even cross my mind. We don't believe that people can lose their salvation. We believe in what is called perseverance of the saints. God's Word is abundantly clear that not only is God's election of the believer perfect, but the believer is also protected and preserved until the Lord calls them home. There's many verses of this. I'll just quote one from Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul affirms this, so do the early church fathers and so do the reformers. The shallow soil represents someone who had an emotional response to the Gospel, but then loses interest. The seed begins to take root, but what happens? The roots hit rock. And they can grow no more. The sun comes out, and the plant has no root, and so it withers and dies. Sadly, this response to the Gospel is all too real for myself. While working in camping ministry has given me many sermon illustrations, It has also put me in the path of many people who have had a credible profession at one point, who were on fire for God at one point, but then let their fire go out. When trial or testing came, they folded under pressure and resolved that God was not worth following. The concept of the perseverance of the saints is hard for some people to swallow because they think that it's a cop-out. That we're saying, well, the shallow person didn't believe in the first place. They were never really saved. Since they go from a credible profession to scoffing Christ. Here's the truth. We don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. But we do know what fruitfulness looks like. We do know what fruitlessness looks like. When a tree bears fruit, you see fruit. When a tree does not bear fruit, we don't see fruit. For those in Christ, God promises to nurture and grow you so that you will continue to bear fruit. Year after year, more and more fruit will be born on your branches. The real test of a believer is not whether you raised your hand at one point to accept Christ into your heart or whether you signed a card or whether you prayed a certain prayer, though those things aren't bad. The real test of a believer is whether or not you're bearing fruit. Third, we look at the crowded soil. Verse 7 and 14. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. Now the ones highlighted here are not people who also were in Christ and then lost their salvation. We don't believe that. The soil is good. It's ready to receive the seed. And in receive it, it does. But then the thorns grow up alongside it. The thorns choke the plant. What little fruit seems to spout on its branches does not make it to harvest season. Now this reminds me of something called the camp high or the mission trip high. Right? You go to summer camp for a week and, or you go on a mission trip or a discipleship trip and you spend all week flying high as a kite on God. You're spending your mornings, your evenings reading God's Word. You're praying more. You're journaling maybe. You just feel so close to God. 
You're doing morning devotions. You're doing evening devotions. You're hearing a Gospel-filled preacher maybe preach the Gospel to you. It's an awesome week. But then what happens? You go home. You told yourself you're going to keep up with your Bible reading. You told yourself you're going to keep praying as you did that week. But you have a job. Or you have school. But you also have children to take care of. But you have friends that want to see you. But you have to do the chores around the house. But you have to fix the car. But you've got a really big day tomorrow and you need your rest. But this, but that. Before you know it, it isn't long before your butts have you sitting somewhere other than with Christ's church on the Lord's Day. Now all these things I just mentioned are not bad things. You should do the work that God has set before you. You should care for your children. But if these things, if all the things I just listed, are keeping you from being a functioning member of the church, then we need to realign our priorities. Being a functioning member of Christ's church liberates you to work unto the Lord, whether it's your job or whether it's your schoolwork. Being a functioning member of the church allows you to be free to train your children, to care for your children in the way the Lord implores you to. The point is this. The cares and the riches of this world are keeping you from being a functioning member of the church. If the thorns are growing around the plant, we've got a problem. The things of this world will not last. Only God's Word will last forever. And fourth, we look at the proper soil. Verse 8 and 15. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As for that and the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast and in honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The seed takes root in the proper soil because the Holy Spirit has prepared the soil. He has tilled the soil. He has plowed deep troughs in the soil to receive the seed. You see, Jesus giving this parable to the people, He is not concerned with what the world thinks. He gave this parable to many. Jesus is not impressed because large herds of people are following Him. He knew their hearts. He knew which ones would not be good soil for planting. He knew which ones would be fine soil for planting. Ones who would receive the seed and see strong growth. Now I know this was a little bit of a different kind of way of preaching through this section, but it all deals with how we receive the Word of God. Our lives go through seasons, sure, but we must remember that we don't just receive the seed once. We receive the seed consistently and constantly throughout our life. We must continually seek to have the Holy Spirit preparing our hearts to hear the Word. That's why I spend all week in prayer praying that this message would not be from me, but from God. That's why the elders meet before the service to pray for all of us that we would be ready to hear the Word. That is why we fill our worship time with ample prayer. That all of our hearts would be collectively ready for planting. Now, we'll get to a little bit more about this at the end, but I want to speak quickly to these four different soils. 
these four soils are not different seasons of your life. Right? You, you don't have a time in your life right now where you're good soil, but then maybe in a year you're bad soil. Or maybe you're thorny soil or shallow soil. We don't change once God has us in His hand. Once we are good soil, we don't go back to being poor soil. We don't go back and identify ourselves by our previous sins. For that person is no more. We are good soil ready for planting. And as Jesus finishes this parable and the purpose of the parable, He then speaks in another parable. He starts talking to His disciples about a lamp. In our second point this evening, Jesus talks about sharing the Word that you have heard. Jesus starts in verse 16, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. I'm sure all of you know that the lamp being talked about isn't like a lamp as we understand a lamp, right? The lamp being referenced would be a primitive form of a lantern, uh, a piece of pottery full of oil with a wick. It would give off enough light like a birthday candle or a votive. Now, I know some of you ladies are probably surprised I know what a votive is. I like candles, especially the, the good smelling ones. This is a really simple point that Jesus is making. It's almost absurd at the simpleness of the point that Jesus is making. If a person lights a lamp, their next action is not immediately to cover it. Now for us today, this would be as silly as say you hear a noise in your house at night, so you turn on your bedside lamp to see and then you smash the bulb. You wouldn't do that. It would be silly. Because the Word of God is truth, it would be silly to hide it. Rather, because we see the truth in God's Word, it should be given a place of prominence. That's why the pulpit is front and center. That's why when you come in this room, all your eyes are drawn here to the center of the room where the Word is preached. Jesus is making the point that truth should never be hidden. Now where in the previous parable, the sower is God, right? in this parable, Jesus is transitioning to telling the disciples how they are to sow the seed. right? How they are to do the Gospel work. They are to proclaim truth. Verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now, Jesus does get a little cryptic here. right? He's, this is a little, little interesting. This is referring to the day of judgment. There are two parts to what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, that there will be a time when God's Word will be made manifest to all. That God's Word will be abundantly clear to all. That day is the day where all will bow before Him and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. To God be the glory. You may think it's foolish to light a lamp and then cover it with a jar, but even more foolish would be thinking that we can hide anything from God. It's the second part of this statement that refers to the secret and hidden things that will be made known. Now, this is a terrifying thought. right? All, all of your deepest, darkest secrets, and we always say deepest, darkest secrets. I don't know how many deep, dark secrets we have. But all of the things we hold dear that we don't want to share with people, all of the sins that we have committed over our lifetime that we don't want to talk about, 
all of those will be made known to everyone else on that day. And the good news is for those in Christ, we don't have to worry about this. Because yes, on that last day, our secrets won't matter. And hearing every single sin we've ever committed, that will be not fun. But when the judge seeks to apply the punishment for our sins, he will only see Christ's righteousness instead. That is the good news. And Jesus continues with his cryptic statements in verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. It is important not only that we hear and understand the Word of God, but when we hear and understand the Word of God, we are then obligated to share it. Everyone whose heart is prepared soil and receives the seed has now become a sower. If we keep God's Word to ourselves, then we'll lose it. If we share the Word of God, we will be nourished all the more. When we hear the Word, we share the Word. And as we share the Word, right, as Jesus is telling us that we need to share the Word that we have received, would it not be right for us also to obey the Word that we're sharing? Thus, we must obey God's Word. As we hear it, we must obey it. Verse 20, And He was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. I know we're not supposed to have favorites in this life, right? We don't, we don't play favoritism. But I do have some favorite parts of the Gospels. This is one of them. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in parables. And someone comes and interrupts Him. Now some uh, commentators believe that this is not directly happening after Jesus is teaching about the lamp. They think it is happening while He's teaching about the lamp. And thus being interrupted. Now, What's happening in our text today would be the exact same thing as if somebody was going to come up the back here, come through the front door, up the steps, up these stairs right here, stand right next to me, and tell me, hey, your mother and brother are here and they're looking for you. Just probably tell them to take a seat. It's going to be a while. Jesus is teaching about receiving the Word and how receiving the Word changes you to share the Word. He's talking about how the truth of God's Word should not be covered up by a jar or in in a funny statement or put under a bed. Instead, the Word should be placed in a high place in order to reach more people. And at this juncture, Jesus' family comes and interrupts His teaching. And Jesus uses this opportunity to contrast His biological family with His true family. See, what's, what's really going on here? You see, Jesus' mother and his brothers are not perfect, and they think Jesus is insane. Mark 3.21 records that his family thinks that Jesus is out of his mind. We also read earlier in Luke's Gospel, Jesus' rejection at Nazareth, right? Luke 4, verses 16-30. They recount Jesus going to the synagogue at Nazareth, reading from the scroll of Isaiah about the coming Messiah, and then he tells the people that this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And then he rolls the scroll up and hands it to the guy next to him. Now, this is also one of my favorite parts in the Gospels, because Jesus does something pretty miraculous. First off, this is a scroll, and it's Isaiah, so it's pretty big. 
doesn't have chapters, it doesn't have verses, it doesn't have bookmarks. He had to unroll it to the spot that he was going to read. Pretty miraculous. Then he reads Scripture concerning himself, the Messiah who was going to come. He rolls it up, hands it to the guy, and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus does the proverbial mic drop. Everybody's astonished. They don't know what to think. Isn't this Joseph's son? I love that story. But that's not the end of the story. What happens at the end of the story? They take Jesus out to the cliffs to throw Him off a cliff. And He moves through their midst. See, Jesus is not afraid of what the world thinks. Jesus takes this moment to show His followers that there is a difference between your biological family and your true family in verse 21. But He answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Now, I love my mother. I love my brother too. They don't think I'm too crazy. And while I love them very much, I love all of you. Because you are my partners in the Gospel. You are my family. We do the Gospel work together. Thankfully, I can count my mother and brother in that family as well. We should hear the words of Jesus and do what the Word calls us to do. James, Jesus' half-brother, he figured it out. We see that because he learned from Jesus' statement here. He heard Jesus' statement, and then he changed. We see this in James chapter 1, verses 21-25. through Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James got it. He got it. He got what Jesus was telling him to do that day. If James can get it, So can we. As Jesus teaches on the parable of the soil and the parable of the lamb, He gets to this moment where He makes a really profound statement. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Family was everything. Who you were and who you came from was everything. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not important. My family are those who hear the Word and do it. This is the punchline. Be doers of the Word. Let the Word of God radiate throughout your mind and your spirit. The parable of the soil is not to tell us how we're responding to the seed at different points in our lives or at a particular moment. We are not sometimes hard soil and shallow soil. We are not sometimes good soil and rocky soil. The parable sums up the different ways the Word is received over a lifetime of exposure to the life-saving Gospel of Jesus Christ. The parable calls us to reflect on our lives. If we desire to bear fruit, then we must hold fast to God's Word. The choice is before us. We can either choose fruitfulness or we can choose barrenness. Again, the punchline Be doers of the Word. 
It is our mandate to spread the good news of Christ to the rest of this world. We can sit here and we can comment about how the world outside is degrading. But how ready are we to do something about it? I'll be the first to tell you, this mission that we've been called to is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's not always fun. But rather than doing nothing about the degrading of the world around us and the towns around us, we should strive to be doers of the Word. Being a doer of the Word means spreading the Word. It means scattering the seed wherever you can. It means praying that God would till the hearts of the people of this place, the people of these towns, plowing deep troughs in their hearts to receive the seed. And then, and then it means praying for rain. The beginning of this year, the beginning of the year is a time when we tell ourselves that we're going to be different. Now, I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions. But I am a fan of choosing to do things that will advance the kingdom. Because when we strive to advance the kingdom, the kingdom work changes and refines us. You want to be different? Then be different by preaching the Word to Lansing. Be different by preaching the Word to the people of this world. I want to encourage you this day forward, this new year, seek to be people of prayer. That whether things are good or bad, that you'd be active in your prayer life. I've never met someone who was complaining that they've prayed too much. I want to encourage you in your Bible reading. Not because actually completing the Bible in a year earns you points with God. But because completing the Bible in a year or completing other plans you set out to do shows you that you value God's Word. And it shows you that you indeed have the five minutes a day that it takes. Really, the point here is to build godly habits. If you fall behind, you're doing another plan and you fall behind and you're not finishing on time as you're supposed to, it's okay. Don't give up. Keep at it. Find a buddy. Find someone who's going to text you every day and annoy you about reading your Bible. As a tea bag steeps longer in the hot water, makes the tea stronger, the Christian who reads God's Word regularly and is steeped in God's Word is made stronger for the mission ahead of us. Now this year, First Church is doing something different. We're trying something new. We're doing an audio Bible reading plan. Right? The outreach committee, the session of First Church, they all believe that God's Word is important. They believe that we should have God's Word available to any and all who want to hear it or read it. So we seek to put it on as many platforms as possible. As well, you'll get to hear me. Amen. The Bible reading plan of First Church is made by First Church for First Church. But it's not only for First Church. And as you listen, you will hear familiar voices. You will hear your brothers and sisters who are reading alongside you. Because we're a family. Brothers and sisters who labor together for the Word. And lastly, this is going to be the hardest one. I want to encourage you to be doers of the Word by serving your church and your community. Now, there are many people in this church who serve in many areas. There are many people in this church who serve in one or two areas. There are also many in this church who serve in no areas. A church of our size needs many hands. 
We have many areas that are in need of volunteers, people to help us get the Word out about Jesus Christ. I encourage you to find where you can help your church. You can also serve the church by being faithful in your giving to Christ's church. Lastly, serving the community. Serving the community is tough. I know. I get it. Where do we start? How can we serve the town of Lansing and the surrounding townships? Just thinking about it seems difficult. I understand. I get it. That's why First Church is here to help you. They're here to help you in serving your local community. We have a wonderful program called Love for Lansing. This program helps us get the word out to this town. This program helps us to help the people of Lansing. Now, you may not live in Lansing, but the church that you have vowed to love and serve is in Lansing. So that means Lansing must be a priority for you. Lansing needs the Gospel. The best way to do that is by being Christ's hands and feet in such a ways as just doing a little bit of yard work. Not everyone is called to go far and wide to preach the Gospel, but you're all called to preach the Gospel right here. As you labor for the kingdom here, you will be astonished at how the kingdom moves out from here and goes to the other townships. Friends, let us be doers of the Word. Our God has done a wonderful work by saving us from the pit. The question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Do we light a candle and cover it with a jar? Or do we put it on a pedestal so that it may light the world around us? Do we light a candle and hide it? Or do we take our candle and go light our world? Let's resolve today to be doers of the Word and strive to do the work required to preach the Gospel to the area around us. That all the other townships around us would see change starting from here. Because Christ has indeed rescued us from our sin by His death and resurrection. And it would be selfish to not share this good news with the rest of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the seed of the Gospel. And we thank You that You have planted it deep in us. Lord, we are scared. The Gospel work that You've put before us is scary. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to go and talk to strangers about who You are. Father, help us to love Your Word. And in loving Your Word, teach others about who You are. We thank You that You sent Your Son to this earth to rescue and redeem us. We thank You that He sowed the Gospel first, giving us a rich example to go forth into this unbelieving world. Bless us, Father. Teach us to be more like You each day. And provide us with spiritual buddies to keep us accountable in our work. We pray this all in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.